Hello and welcome to Messiah's Upper Room Podcast. Each week, you'll join Messiah's Upper Room Bible Study Class led by Pastor Jim Adi. This week, we continue our series over the Gospel of John. Enjoy. I'd like just a little discussion. This last week, right, was about, the, the previous week was about forgiveness, correct? I'm pretty sure probably most of the people in here saw what happened in the courtroom uh, at, at the uh, trial of the police officer, Amber Geiger. Any reactions to that? What's your feelings? I cried. The brother, yeah, brother saying, it, it, I don't think it could have fit much better into what we were doing in the Red Letter Challenge, right? And the judge coming in, going out, getting her Bible, coming in and giving her and hugging her, and now she's going to be super. I know, so, and that's, you know, I think that's a kind of telling about our, the society that we're in, right? Yes. yes. But it went out of the, um, the national news, and this went all over the nation as, a, as an example of true forgiveness and love and uh, grace. You know, and that's kind of the two, two sides of that, right? On, on one hand, we, we as Christians could be upset that people turned it back and said this is bad, but we should kind of expect that in, in today's society. But on the other hand, very good point, it went national. Everybody saw this event occur. And, uh, and that level of, of forgiveness at that time, and I, I happened to watch, I think it was the Channel 5, I thought the commentator, he, he was clearly taken aback by it, but... He just said it was, you know, it was a beautiful moment. He said, I've never seen anything like that. He said, that was, that was so honest and so true. And that the judge's reaction of going and getting the Bible and handing it to her was not, as some people are trying to make it, her proselytizing about Christianity. It was a genuine reaction to what the brother and that, that level of forgiveness had done. And so now the, the other reaction, he said, I hope you turn your, your life to Christ. Judge goes back and gets the Bible and says, "Here's a good start." You know, I think, in, you know, as we as we look at what goes on in society, you know, the, Jesus said we can expect difficult times. Uh, he didn't say that life is going to be easy, but he did say he's always there with us, and he'll always turn whatever happens to good. I found out that that, that lady, police officer, has been a, a longtime member of the. the Dallas Baptist Church downtown, Dr. Jeffers Church. And since that has happened, she's been in counseling all along. So it just was a reinforcement of her, of her faith in Jesus, even though she has to pay a price. God never said that sin comes without consequence. What he said is, you're forgiven. And I will not, I will not remember. That doesn't mean what you did isn't going to have consequences in your life. Okay, let's go ahead and open with, with prayer. Thank you for that discussion. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us uh, together today to study your word and to understand more about what you want us to do in terms of serving our, our fellow man and loving our brothers. I ask you to guide our discussion today and uh, help us to, to understand better uh, what you want us to do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this week, the Red Leather Challenge is going to be about serving. Pastor, by the way, oh, I did not create this, so he did do all the work. Okay, so, 
I have the, the outline you have in front of me was was his is definitely his creation. So I cannot take credit for that. My goal is just to keep us from going too far astray and get out of the way. So in Deuteronomy, through Moses, uh, God issues some pretty specific instructions. He said, "And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear your, the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him." and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you for your good. So, straightforward, right? Love God with all your heart and serve your fellow man. Did Israel do that? They maybe made a mistake once in a while along the way, got corrected a few times, and at some point got turned over to uh, their own ways. And... God used Babylon and others to, to try to get them back on track. But uh, what, what does it mean to serve the Lord your God with all your heart? Well, they, the, the issue here was God trying to tell Israel that this should be a reaction to what I've done for you. I've uh, delivered you from Egypt, from slavery, uh, protected you through the desert, and now... I've given you all my love unconditionally. And what I want you to do is out of a response, the gratefulness of that is uh, to worship, to, to listen to me, and to serve each other. So the, the blanket says, uh, God was always, Israel was reminded that serving God was always a grateful response to what God has already done for them, such as delivering them from slavery, etc., taking care of them. But he goes on to say, and commanding it for you to do this for your good, which means that your best life revolves around serving God and obeying his word. At a retreat this weekend, apologize for taking some leniency with your drawing, Pastor, but we, we talked a little bit about, well, you know, people talk about a victorious life. What, what's it like, you know, as, as a Christian? What are we looking forward to? What's a, what is a victorious life? Well, there's a couple different ways that life shapes out. On one side, people can live their life in fear. They can feel like they don't have enough, enough of anything, enough stuff, enough money, uh, or they're, they're just not good enough. And certainly in today's world, there's lots of opportunities for you to be told that you're not good enough. Uh, can happen on the job, can certainly happen in social media, can happen with your neighbors. Uh, there's certainly a lot of that going on. On the other hand, how is it that we can, that Christians in particular can live in peace, to have love and express love, to be kind, and to be content with everything else that's going on? There must be some difference, right, in why, how we can lead that life. And gentlemen in the back, do you know what the difference might be, the difference maker? Faith. Faith. And that is the, the, the critical thing that decides how you're going to live your life. Because with faith, we know the final answer. It doesn't really matter what else is going on in the world. And not that we shouldn't be concerned. We're certainly concerned about our brothers who don't know God or are worshiping the wrong God. And 
as we're going to be talking about here in terms of serving and later in terms of the, in the, the final challenges about going, we want to take the word to them. But it's not us to change, and we can't change it. The Spirit is the only thing that can change that. But because we have faith, we know what our final, what the solution is going to be. Yes? I was just going to say, just looking at that, there's a big difference with a fear, not enough, not good enough. I feel like that's with those that feel like they're alone. They have, they have to do everything on, by themselves. If they don't do it, nobody's going to do it. And then having the peace, love, kindness, and contentment comes with knowing you're not alone. You're never alone. You've got your, your, your board, but you also have the people around you as a, a I don't know, firm foundation. I, foundation, right? Yes. And, and having those people who are, are praying for you, who care about you, who love you, God puts those people in our lives as, as part of our faith. And, and of course, even without that, he's always there. We absolutely know that. But he surrounds us with, uh, with others, with a host of, of others. And, um, and, and you're right. In fact, I can't go into it. We covered a lot of things in the, uh, in the, the retreat. We got into some discussion about suicide and, and how people on this side can start feeling all completely alone, completely alone, and literally at some point using human logic can logically come to the conclusion, human logic, that the only way out is to commit suicide. And, and, and as pastor being a counselor said, uh, if a person gets to that level, they may not even show externally. It's, it's hard. People can be very good at disguising where they're at. But when they get to that level, it's almost impossible to talk them out of it. You're not just going to convince them otherwise. They've made that decision. So you're right. This has a the side without faith, without knowing God, has a lot of downside. I even and now, that's not to say that some people over here might appear to be doing well. I mean, not, you know, we sometimes we think that, that oh well, these guys seem to be doing pretty well, and they they're not Christian. That's not ours to control. Most of most of it though leads to a bad end. Uh, okay, let's look at uh, Mark. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Now that, to me, is what my granddaughter will do to me. <laughs> In other words, promise me you're, what, you know, what I'm going to ask for, you're going to take care of, right? Set up. You know, so, now, so now, if you say no, well, you're the meanie, right? So it, it's interesting that uh, James and John uh, kind of came up with this first. It's, you know, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in glory. And Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to him, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I'm baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but is for those who, for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to get, be indignant about James and John. 
And Jesus called to them and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So now the, you know, the disciples didn't always catch on to everything that was going on right away, did they? But Jesus took a lot of time to address their issues. And even right, right to the end, um, even you know, Peter cutting off the, the ear of, of, of one of the soldiers or the, the ones that had come to arrest Jesus was still fighting for that earthly win. And, and so here, you know, they're saying, well, you know, we want to be best in your kingdom. And, and Jesus, always faithful to carrying out his father's wishes, said, that's not mine to grant. That's what the father has. Later in Matthew, when they're talking about end of time, Jesus said, not even the son of man knows the final date. Only, that, only the father knows that. So there's, there's this interesting mystery about the Holy Spirit is God, Jesus is God, but the Holy Spirit is not Jesus, and Jesus is not the Holy Spirit, but they are all God, the triune God. But they each have, there are three persons, three distinct persons, and it's God's plan who is in complete control. So Jesus tells them, that's not his to say, where you're going to stay in the kingdom of heaven. But then he goes on, to, to give them um, a great example. He talks about being a servant. And of course, what happened at the, at the Last Supper? Right? Uh, Jesus washed their feet, acted as a, as, a, as a servant, one of the lowliest functions of when, somebody, when a guest comes into a house for dinner. So he not only explained to them what it was like and what is expected of you, but he did it. Yes? It's interesting to me, I hadn't noticed until today that Jesus didn't say, didn't say, you guys don't understand, there's not going to be anybody on my left or right, you know, there's not going to be, there's not going to be any rank or, he didn't say that. He said, it's been prepared for, uh, for those who it's for those for whom it has been prepared something. Wow, it's not the disciples who were right there with him. Is he, who's he talking about? Can I ask the driver back? <laughs> <laughs> it might be a good question for I think that's the whole thing. We don't know, and the indication is that, that even Jesus doesn't know. That's his father's wish. And, it's, and all we know is that everything will be fulfilled at the end of times. Right? Uh, I mean, I suppose some of us could imagine like, oh, well, surely somebody like Billy Graham is going to be like way up here, right? He's going to be in one of the you know, top you know, floors of, of the place. Uh, but, and we don't know where we're going to be. But. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'd like I'd like Pastor Audie's maybe thoughts on this, but whenever I've read that verse, a part of when I thought about it, I always think about how uh, Jesus tells at the end he's going to separate the uh, sheep from the goats. The sheep are going to be on his right hand, and the goats are going to be on his left hand. And so when he says like one will be on my right, one will be on my left, 
I've kind of always correlated like that, like Jesus is going to put the righteous on the right and give them salvation and condemn those on the left. I think that's a, that's a rather interesting view of it. I, I had not thought of it in that manner. In other words, it's not to say who's going to be one of the sheep coming to heaven with me and who's going to be one of the goats. I mean, could he be calling even into affect his own disciples who say, well, you know, you might fall away. Um, I don't know. That's a very interesting way of looking at it. And I don't know that we know. I certainly don't have an answer. And if my driver doesn't have an answer. Do we live by Got another one. Because this is something I, uh, just in my daily Bible reading, I've been thinking about. In Matthew 11, Jesus is talking about John the Baptist. And he says, look at John the Baptist and just saying all these wonderful things about him. But he said, but even the least of those in the kingdom of heaven is better than John the Baptist. Hmm. So then my question is, I've always felt like everybody was the same in heaven. Do we know? <laughs> <laughs> I lost my name tag on that. Uh, no, I, you know, we got into, there was a little discussion about that. Like, well, what do you think it's going to be like in heaven? You know, what, what, what is this, you know, what, what's it going to be like? And we don't know. Jesus' own word well, said the least of those in the kingdom of heaven, so I'm thinking. Well, and it also says, though, that no mind has conceived, no eye has seen what it's going to be like. We don't, we don't know. What we do know, it's going to be wonderful. Yeah. Right? It said there's no more tears, no fear, no sorrow. Well, that's pretty good. So it really doesn't much matter about anything else. I mean, it's going to be the ultimate in being content. I don't care what level I am on as long as I'm there. <laughs> you know, steerage on a really nice boat is, if a boat is going to the right place, that's okay. And that's, and, you know, and that's, that's the attitude. That's one of the things we as Christians don't worry about. We, we, it's fun to think about. I mean, I keep thinking about this perfect golf course, you know. And but um, the reality is we don't have to worry about it. We know we're going to be there, okay? And whatever it is is going to be wonderful, so let's not worry about it. And for the same reason, we really don't worry about how successful these guys over here appear to be. Okay, when, when evil people appear to be succeeding, yeah, emotionally, from a human standpoint, it, it can bother us. But don't dwell on it, because it isn't going to matter. Uh, we know what we're doing. We know what's in store for us. We know that by serving, we're going to do everything we can to get the word out to them. But we can't change them. Only the Spirit can. All right, let's go on to, oh, wait, I got a Matthew, got a... Uh, rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. A worldly view of greatness is tied to how much you think you can control others. And that, that there's, seems like you know, people who they say, oh, well, look, he's got X hundreds of people reporting to him. He must be really important, right? Well, and some people like, like to say that. And they think that's the measure of success. And internally, they may be way over here living in fear every day. And sometimes, because they're living in fear, they think they've got to get more and more control because that will, maybe that will be enough. Maybe that will take them where they need to go. And number two is uh, whoever would be great or whoever would be first, which is God's view of greatness, is tied to willing service. 
He's not saying, thou shalt serve. He does say, I give you a new commandment, which is to love one another. But he's, he says, it's, it's, a, it's to be a willing servant. And that's why he created us with, you know, with, with free will. I, there's a gentleman in my Tuesday morning uh, men's Bible study that is constantly, he, he questions. He, he's faithful, but he, he has this, this burning question that I've never quite been able to satisfy. Why didn't God just put a gene in mankind so that we don't do evil things? He said, why, you know, couldn't he have prevented a Hitler from ever being here or a Mussolini or a Dahmer, you know? And so, you know, we, we go kind of around on it. We said, well, we were created perfect. Adam and Eve were perfect. But they blew it. And now we live with it. Uh, the devil got to them. And then Richard wisely pointed out, it's when people, something, a lot of people say, well, I want things to be fair. And when they really mean, I want to edge up on somebody else. Right? You've you got to be fair. So you've got to give me, you know, a little bit, little bit more. And, and that's kind of the way, you know, the devil's really good at reaching us where we're weakest. And so he goes to Adam and Eve and says, you know, did God really, you know, he said you can't eat of that tree. You know, there must be a reason. There must be something really neat if you eat of that tree. And you're not really going to die. He's not going to do that. Come on. And what happened? They ate of the tree because they said that that would give them, well, okay, I wasn't there. I don't, I'm kind of saying it might be that they thought, wow, this is good. Now, we're, you know, yeah, we have all these animals. Now we're really going to rule because we're going to be like God. We're going to go good and evil. Wow, won't that be great? And as Carl would say, how's that working for you? <laughs> it didn't work out very well. But we had free will, and we still do. We can deny the, the one sin that you can't recover from is denying the Holy Spirit. When you walk away, it's because you have no way to turn back. Every other sin can be forgiven, but if you walk away, you can't. If, if, these, if these hearts are so hardened that they can't accept the Spirit, there's nothing we can do. We know where they're going to end up. Okay, and then finally the third one is, uh, but to serve and to give his life. So this was Jesus it was laying it on the line with his disciples that... Um, his life and death is your motive for serving. He laid down, he willingly gave up his life. Yes, Tina. Well, as you're talking about this, I just wanted to share something that probably several people already know, but since we had a little video in first service, and you'll see it in Oh, we get to look forward to a video. Triton, when he was in El Paso, Every comfort dog has a verse that is theirs, that they're dedicated to, and Matthew 45.10 is Triton's verse. Really? So when you see that where it says, For even the Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve, and to give his life and ransom for many, that is Triton's verse. Wow. So, so our own comfort dog is out there witnessing. Yes. <laughs> so how can we not go out there and serve and be witnessing, right? The dog's doing a great job of it. That's because he's got a lot of people supporting him and helping him, too. Well, and he's a good dog. And he shares an office with Pastor Adi. So, I mean. <laughs> okay, let's look. Uh, let me see. Okay, so let's uh, go on to looking at Matthew 6.24. It's talking about serving and about your relationship of what you serve or who you serve. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Now, as, as 
pastor has laid out here for us. Hate, love, devote, despise. The master you serve is the one that demands your full attention. So my question to you is, what rules your life? What are your masters? Now, I'm sure everybody in here say, God is our, we, we are servants to the righteousness of God. Okay, good. What else gets in the way during life? What things start to take priority from us? Oh, gee, the Cowboys are home, so I'm not going to come to church. You know, I, I need to get to the game. Uh, or, well, you know, I'd, I'd really like to do more at church, but I've I got to save in case for a rainy day. I, you know, I've got to hoard away a little bit more money. Or some, some, there's some very, very good things that get in the way. Uh, I want my kids to really have a good time, so on Sundays when they have to play soccer, well, okay, they just have to play soccer. There's, there's some good things, but I mean, what, what else can get in our way? I mean, it isn't always bad stuff, right? Work. Work? I mean, we talked about it a little bit about it. We said, you know, okay, probably a majority in here can remember when, uh, you know, you, you couldn't, you, the stores weren't open on Sunday, right? And I think in the red letter this week, if I recall looking ahead too, they, they talk about, well, why would Chick-fil-A give up, you know, millions of dollars by not being open on Sundays? It's because they're, they're devoted and they're sincere about their priorities. And sometimes the devil can work in too and, and take something that is, is good, a good purpose, and try to get you to get so busy at it. What is it? Sometimes if the devil can't win you over, he just busies you out. You know, and then says, okay, you don't have time. You don't need to sit down and read the Bible. You don't have to take time for devotion. You don't have to be quiet with God. He's there. Go ahead. Go do this. Go do that. Go do that. And, and just keep kind of moving you away. Right? His whole goal is to get you onto that wide path, and you know where that wide path leads. Let's go on to First Peter. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves in the strength that God supplies in order that everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So let's talk a little bit about gifts. Paul tells us that everyone has at least one gift. No one has every good gift. But that's why we as a body of believers and as, as the Christian church, we're together. Because together we have a lot of gifts. And uh, actually... I used this one time in, a, in our halftime message at Upward Sports because Carl gave me the good idea. I, I had a, a gift box, and I had it all wrapped up, but it was unopened. And I said, look, I got this gift two years ago. Isn't this, look at how the wrapping is. It's, it's really wrapped up really nicely. It's so pretty that I, I take it out every year at Christmas time and then bring it out and take a look at it. And I said, no, how much good did that gift do me? I never opened it. I never used it. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the wrapper and thinking, oh, well, that's really neat. But I never opened it. I might be missing, and probably am, some of the greatest things. And I think that's what God's trying to tell us. I gave you these gifts. Open them. 
Use them. Even if you've only got one. You know, I, use it. I will give you, an, uh, believe me, if you pray, God, I'm not, maybe you're not even sure of what your gift is. You say, God, help me use my gift to serve you. He'll give you an opportunity. But his pastor has warned us before, be careful about praying for patience. <laughs> because the, the test to understand patience might be a little tough. But, but seriously, you're, you've got at least one gift. Use it. It, it could be speaking. Uh, it could be you know, serving meals. Well, I tell you, we had some guys at the... Okay, we've given up saying that we only have three bean salads. Okay, I put on four pounds this weekend because... <laughs> We had three briskets, I think four slabs of ribs, and uh, two pork shoulders that, that Laura Smith smoked for us. And that was just dinner on Friday night. <laughs> but we have different gifts, and that was a gift of service. Maybe your gift is just listening. Maybe you're a good listener. And people, when they're troubled, need someone who will listen to them sincerely. And not you know, snap with an answer and say, I can fix it right away. Okay, here's what you've got to do. So explore your gifts. And actually, there's a, a book uh, a long time ago. We used it when we were at the other location called Life's, Life Keys. And it's kind of a book that helped you go through trying to understand in priority. What is it you're good at? You know, uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's service or helping is what they call it. You know, so I, maybe, you know, I, don't, I don't like to lead, but you know, I'm, I'm willing to help. I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to clean up after, uh, et cetera. So there's all, all kinds of gifts that God gives us. And what... What he's saying is, use your gifts, but, and then don't try to, to create something else other than me that you want to serve your time with. So, use it to serve one another, is his instruction. We're looking at item number one here. So to be of service to others is the reason that God has entrusted you with his grace. Grace is the ultimate free gift and serves with strength that God supplies. So steadily serving over time and with resilience and grit. Now, I know we're in the South. It's not grits. Grit. Okay. Staying, staying with it. Grit is a, grit's a good word. You know, I, I, I loved the John Wayne version of True Grit. You know, that, was a, that was a good movie. And for you younger folks, John Wayne was an actor. But anyway, it, it, it does, in order to use your gift, it, it, isn't, it, just, it isn't always really just easy, but use the strength that God gives you. He will always give you strength to use your gift to serve others when you're using it for the right purpose. So let's go on, okay. Uh, knowing you are beloved in your being gives you the courage to serve without the fear of, A, losing what's been entrusted to you. So now we, we go into the parable of the... Uh, of the three men who were given different talents. And um, so if you remember, I'll, hopefully you remember the setup. The, uh, the owner, the master of the, of the house, called his three servants in and said, he's going to be gone. And so he gave one servant ten talents. And he said, take care of these for me. Give another servant five. And another servant one. And uh, the parable goes on to explain kind of the difference in attitude of the, of the servants. So he said when he had, re, uh, so when he comes back, the master comes back and returns. He calls the servants to them and asks them for an accounting of what they did with his talents. Just as God has said, okay, what did you do with your gifts? 
He said, he who received the first, the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here, and I have five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear that on the final day? You, want to, you know, you walk up there and kind of, well, actually, we won't be fearful. We'll walk up there and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. You fought the good fight. You finished the course. So he's well done. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy with your master. And then he went to the one who had two talents. Okay, I said ten and five. I think there's different. Okay, five, two, and one. He went to the one who had two talents and came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So remember we, ah, I didn't put joy up here. We can actually live a life of joy because of faith. And God invites us to live in the joy of, of, of the master. So now he goes to the one who's had received one talent. And he came forward and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. Fear. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. And here you can have what is yours. A little bit of dirt on it, but here it is. Right? And what did, what, what did he say? He said, be gone. He said, you foolish. You, know, you knew I was a tough master, and you did nothing with the gift. I, you know, I asked you to do this. You did absolutely nothing with it. A minimum, you could have taken it and put it, you know, given it to, to the bank, and at least I would have gotten it back with interest. But you did nothing with it. And that is the worst sin. So, actually, we, we'll get into that in the Red, Red Letter Challenge this week, where it says he took it away from, gave it to the, the one who had five, and said, take him away and throw him out where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Gnashing of teeth, by the way, I did look that up. Jewish custom is like when they were really mad. <laughs> but that was, that was a simple, that was like, like really expressing anger. So this weeping and gnashing of teeth was, was serious. So he, he threw them out. So God, you know, it's wonderful, it's a gift, but he expects us to serve with that gift. He doesn't, he doesn't want it re returned empty. In fact, any gift he gives that we use is returned a hundredfold. We, we use it, we spread with everybody else. And we don't always know when we use our gift how successful it's going to be with respect to, this, to the spirit working on somebody else. We'll know that when we get to heaven. Okay, the second fear about when you when you're, know that you're beloved and you know that God gave you this gift, the second fear that you don't have to worry about is being taken advantage of. So Jesus replied, oh, by the way, okay, so the setup on this one, right, was a, um, I think it's, they just say it's a, a, a man uh, familiar with the law. So he might have been a lawyer, might have been a scribe or a Pharisee, and he says, uh, what do I have to do to get into heaven? And Jesus says, you know, love your God with all your heart and all your soul, and love your, love your brother, love your neighbor as yourself. And so then the question comes back, well, so who's my neighbor? And this is what Jesus replies. He replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, 
And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and point on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these do you, three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And this is where the expert of the law answered, well, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Jesus had a great way, right, of, of letting people talk themselves right into what the right answer was. So he, 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 yes, that's the right answer. So now go do likewise. You've just said that's what it means to be a neighbor. Now, the interesting part, you know, I, I tried to find out if there were any, that's, it said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They didn't say he was Jewish. We kind of presume maybe he was, which would have made the Samaritan, which who they were hated each other. It would have made it makes the story even tougher. But but the point is, it, it was a man. We don't didn't really know. The Samaritan didn't know. Now maybe the priest avoided him because maybe he thought he was dead, and so he didn't want to defile himself. We don't know. The Levite might have been the same thing. He was just on his way to go do something else, and he wasn't going to take time to get involved. And what, what Jesus tells us, here's a, a Samaritan, and he took the time, his own, some of his own expense, to take care of this gentleman. So we don't always, it doesn't mean we, it's easier to serve people we know. I, in the Red Letter Channel, I like in the beginning of the book, remember he said, when he wanted to challenge his congregation, he said, well, what, What's your challenge in serving? They say, oh, well, we, I'm an usher every Sunday. Say, really? Showing people in your church to a seat is your challenge? That's it? And so, you know, I, I have to admit, that part kind of struck me. because, Well, yeah, you know, it's kind of easy to be involved at church. You guys, you're very kind, you know. You don't throw things at me. Although I did notice, Pastor, that there's the heel of a shoe up here. I'm trying to figure out... <laughs> In some customs, they throw shoes. Anyway, but you're very... So, so sometimes it's really easy to serve people that we're very familiar with. And there's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, a lot of people inside our family of believers need help and need attention also. So serving them is absolutely a good thing. But the Lord also wants us to reach out and serve the man who fell among robbers by the wayside. So... He said, when he saw him, he had compassion and he went to him. A servant's heart does not base his or her serving on whose fault the need is. So he didn't care about the robbers or why this guy was there. He just knew that this person was in trouble and had compassion. And his heart is not, uh, his compassion and his heart does not care about whether or not that person can repay the kindness. And in fact, I think that's the challenge for this week is, is that we get is to go ahead and go serve someone who we, you pretty well know isn't going to be able to repay. Uh, number two and three, uh, I, I haven't gotten them to yet. Oh, wait. You're talking about the last page? No, 
Oh, sorry. Oh, you're right. You're, okay, good, because I actually have a note here and I missed it. Thank you. Number one is, I knew you to be. So the, the third servant said that he believed that the master was mean, so he didn't feel himself to be beloved. Number two was, I was afraid. So when you don't believe that you are beloved, the terror of punishment drives your decisions. And the third one is, I went and hid your talent in the ground. So serving out of the fear of losing kills the joy and limits the impact of what you can accomplish. And actually, this week you're going to be reading about the difference between, as those of us who are parents have probably all at one time or another said, after telling some, a child to do something and hearing why for about 12 times, <laughs> you finally just say, because I said so. <laughs> well, you're going to learn about a little bit about the story of the fishermen who had been fishing all night, hadn't caught anything. And Jesus is on the shore, and he tells them, put out into the deep water and cast your net over the side. And Peter looks at him and he says, because you said so, I will. And so you'll get to that in, in the book. So that's a whole lot different than saying, why should I throw the nets over? Well, actually, he, they did say that. They, they, say, they said, well, we've been fishing all night. There's nothing, you know, there's no fish in this lake. We just haven't had any success. But because you said so, because my faith in you, Jesus, I will throw them over the side. <laughs> and then they had to get people to help to bring in the catch, right? So there's a big difference between because God calls us to do something and saying, you shall do this. Okay, so now I go to the back page. Number two, and whatever you spend, I will repay you. So this is back to how the, the um, Samaritan left it. He said, the Samaritan, operating with a servant's heart, gave little or no thought to the possibility of being ripped off, being taken advantage of. He was just acting out of compassion, out of his, his heart, his heartfelt compassion for this man. And he didn't, you know, it doesn't even say that, well, I'm going to do this because then maybe someday somebody will do that for me. Well, and I think we all say that. Well, I'm, I see a guy with a flat tire, I'm going to stop and change because, you know, someday that might be me. Okay, that's actually, that's okay. But you don't really, we're supposed to serve without really expecting that we're going to get repaid. Yeah. Kind of with saying that, I mean, this kind of, I think, goes back to where it talks about, I mean, good works without faith are like filthy rags. Everyone talks about, like, how they can do good works without faith. But if it's not based on faith, it's kind of in that sense of, oh, I'm going to make this huge charitable gift so my name will be remembered after I'm gone. Oh, I'm going to do this for someone so I can get something back in the future versus I'm doing it solely because I love this person, I don't love the grace God has given me, and I don't expect anything in return, I don't expect praise, it's nothing except pure love. You think some people might do that? I'm going to give this great big gift because, boy, I get a big tax break over here. Right? So, or, you know, if I do this, people are really going to like it, and they're going to like me because I, I did something generous. Right? Uh, Thrivent if you ever serve on one of the Thrivent um, small teams, they give shirts to the team members and they say, live generously. You know, and and it, it's not about like, giving away all your money. Living generously is an attitude. And, and that's what God asks us to do. And so, so you're right. We, we can, without faith, we twist it. Right? We, we, what's in it for me? That's a, the infamous, a famous question. Why, why should I do that? You know, what's in it for me? I mean, this Samaritan 
what's in it for him? <laughs> it's like, this guy is beaten up. He's laying there. Uh, he's not going to get anything. He had no idea if this guy was a wealthy man or he's a beggar. He didn't know. He had no expectation of being repaid. And that's the beauty of it. That's where the compassion comes in. Okay, and the final one then is the man answered correctly. He said, the one who showed mercy. So showing mercy is one way to serve another. It's one of the gifts. Yes? A number of places uh, in Scripture, Jesus says, I want mercy, not, not sacrifice. And especially, he says it again in Matthew. Uh, and uh, he's, he's really pointing at the Pharisees in a lot, in a lot of ways there because they're, they're so focused on the law and sacrifice that every piece of the, the, the law has some form of his form, some form of sacrifice. And yet they've completely missed the picture of being merciful to their fellow man. So he's, he's really putting it on them. I want mercy, not sacrifice. As we we've talked about before, a lot of what the Pharisees started with in terms of trying to keep the people aware of the law as a curb, as a mirror to what you're doing wrong, but was, was well-intended. Okay, you know, they've gone 400 years without a prophet, so it was well-intended. But then they got so caught up in it, and, and actually, again, this gets back to, well, as a Pharisee now, if we set all these laws, then we're in control. Right? So they went back after the control. And, that's what, and Jesus called them out. He said, you've exercised the, the nth level of degree of the law and completely forgotten about mercy. So that mercy and compassion was not part of the story. Okay, we're done a little early. Any comments from the driver in the back? Uh, any other questions? Well, okay. So I think uh, we're, let's go ahead and uh, close in prayer. I mean, there might be donuts out there. Oh, yes, Richard. I, want, I, I think I would change that diagram. The one I drew or the one or the one in the middle? The one you drew. Oh, Because okay. I was thinking, okay, faith. So many times Jesus said you had a little faith. And that faith bar, the stronger our faith, the more we move to the left. And the weaker our faith, the more we move to the right. So maybe this box is more like that. The more we're over here, the bigger, the more it reinforces our faith. I mean, and then there are people who have no faith, and, and obviously they're the extreme. That's a good point. I'll remember that next time we draw that. Okay, let's go ahead and close with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, our time together today and, and study your word. Help us this week as we, we look at the challenge to serve others, and to serve joyously, to serve uh, graciously, and with compassion, and with, without the intent or, or expectation of being repaid. We ask you to, to guide us, and, and protect us, and keep us uh, safe until we come together again. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Messiah's Upper Room. Here at Messiah Lutheran Church, our mission statement is sharing his light. That means sharing the light that is Jesus Christ and telling others about his gospel. If you want to join us in that mission, please share this podcast with someone that may want to come and better know the light of Jesus. Use one of our past episodes as a starting point to start a discussion with someone, 
or use a past series as a personal Bible study or devotional for your family or small group. If we've given any value to you at all, consider leaving this podcast a rating and review on iTunes. That will help us climb the iTunes rankings so we may better spread the reassuring good news of Jesus Christ and continue to share his light with anyone willing to listen. Thank you again so much for listening, and until next time, may God bless you throughout your week. Bye.